Hello everyone, this is Randy with My Dog Hunts Podcast. I know, I know, I haven't been around for a while, but that's because I've been bird hunting. It appears I have a lot of new listeners, and I do appreciate all of you stopping by to hear some of my tired old stories, and I'm grateful that bird season has finally arrived so you guys could hear a new story for a change. I think I talked a little bit about a trip I made a couple, three weeks ago to South Dakota, North Dakota to chase sharp-tailed grouse. I do know that I mentioned in a previous podcast that anyone who wants to seriously hunt pheasants, especially in the Dakotas, should head out there during sharp-tailed season in mid to late September, early October to get your dogs in shape, get them onto birds, and have some fun shooting prairie grouse. And I'm telling you, this was the year to do it. Most of you know that I've been hunting sharptails for a long time. And I, I'm pretty convinced that this is the best year of sharptail hunting I've ever seen. I did mention that I had difficulty finding birds in south central to southwestern North Dakota. But when I hunted northern North Dakota, there were a lot of grouse. And western South Dakota, there were even more grouse. The problem that anyone would face going out there now is that they have snow. That was chaos coughing. In some areas, pretty heavy snow, six to eight inches, and forecast to get more this coming weekend, which would be the 24th and 25th of October. And cold, lots of cold. And that's not good when you want to hunt sharp tails. Oh, if you happen to go out there, you're going to see birds. You're going to see a lot of birds from the road. But getting close to them is going to be tough. Actually, the last, uh, I just came back from South Dakota hunting pheasants. I only got to hunt four days of my five-day license. I got called back to work early. But on the average day, I saw more grouse from the road driving from one cover to another than a guy would normally see in a solid day of hunting. I think I average seeing somewhere around 50 to 75 birds a day. Probably average seeing somewhere around, okay, let's say I average seeing 35 to 50 birds a day on the ground and another 25 to 30 every day while driving around. Unfortunately, though, I don't have much time. This is Friday before the 24th. I have to work this weekend for 40 hours, 20 hours Saturday, 20 hours Sunday. And then I'm leaving early next week to go scout Nebraska for chickens and quail and then be back on the Nebraska-Iowa border next Saturday. I believe it's the 31st of October, the for the Iowa-Nebraska pheasant opener. Hopefully I can pick up that double limit of pheasants in Iowa and Nebraska that I've tried so hard for for quite a few years, and then have a few days to get down to central, I'm thinking central Nebraska, and try for chickens and bobwhite quail. I still have seven days to hunt on my second split of my North Dakota non-resident license, and I really don't know when I'm going to get up there. Hopefully sometime before Thanksgiving to try for uh, Hungarian partridge and pheasants in the same day. But for right now, I'd like to walk you through my most recent trip to South Dakota for pheasants. I arrived a day before pheasant opener. Actually, 
on Thursday evening, camped overnight, and talked to uh, about a half a dozen landowners that I've hunted whose ground I've hunted on in the past. And there's been, been a big change out there. Pheasants Forever did a program on the flush emphasizing the area that I was hunting as one of the best kept secrets in South Dakota. And the result of that is that almost all the land that I used to hunt for free is leased out now. Fortunately, there's quite a bit of walk in there, so there's still plenty of room for hunters. And from what I saw, I don't think the leased hunting is going to last very long there. There weren't enough hunters there to support habitat management by landowners specifically for paying hunters. And with the current snowfall that they've already had up there and the snow they're anticipating in the next few days and then really cold temperatures down around zero, I think that's going to weed out all but the most ambitious pheasant hunters. I think they're going to have a lot of cancellations. They're going to be roads that they're not going to be able to get down. So if we do have a midwinter warm-up, there's going to be some fantastic late-season pheasant hunting in South Dakota. But I started on some walk-in ground. I parked there about 9.30 in the morning. I didn't see any hunters until about a quarter to 10. When an older gentleman, really old, like my age, uh, pulled up beside me, and he had a young man with him. It uh, turned out that the guy was from Indiana. His grandson was from California. They saw the program on the flush, and that's why they showed up there. And they were pretty well clueless on where to hunt and what to hunt. So I surrendered the section that I intended to hunt, and I told them that I'd hunted it a couple times for grouse earlier in the season. I told them how to walk it, where I found pheasants, and where I found grouse, wished them luck, and I just hunted across the road from them. And I know they at least got shooting because I heard them shoot probably a half a dozen, maybe eight times during the course of two hours in the morning. Chaos and I made it about a quarter of a mile into the next section before she got birdie. And she trailed a runner for probably 45 or 50 yards. I was lucky that I could keep up with her. It took me two shots to knock him down, but she didn't have any trouble finding him. And he was a mature bird. Uh, he was at least a year and a half old. And I no more than had him in my game bag when a uh, sharptail flushed along a fence line. I was hunting along some picked flowers. I killed that bird. He did fall over the fence on the flower side. And at my shot, another pair of grouse flushed to my right, and I turned around and dropped one of those. I had to help chaos. She had just made it through the fence after the first bird. When she heard me shoot again, she turned around and went back to pick up the second bird. But we found both of them. And, uh, you know, as is the law, I left my gun on the public side of the fence and walked in and found the, found the bird with her. About a half an hour later, we did lose a rooster. I thought I hit him really hard, and uh, he didn't fall that far away, probably 25 yards into some cattails, but we searched for a long, long time and couldn't find him. I even went back. I walked another finger of a draw and then circled back over the hill and went back through those cattails again hoping that maybe he moved around a little and she could pick up some scent but uh, we never did find that bird and it wasn't too much longer after that we were walking a finger she flushed a pair of roosters I only got a shot at one but I got him 
And fortunately, uh, chaos found that one. So it was probably only an hour and 15 minutes into our hunt, and we had two sharp tails and two roosters. And uh, I came to a flat draw that, because this was waist high, I don't know that it, it's not CRP, I don't know, it's just idle hay ground, I believe. But some of these flat draws have really short grass in them. You know, you'd normally expect that the grass would be taller down low because more moisture would collect there. But when we got into that draw, I'm trying to recall, but my guess is we flushed about 25 grouse scattered out in about a football-sized area. But I shot the first one that I saw, and we walked a circle in there just to get chaos into birds because her first three seasons... She just didn't get into very many birds for me. And we got back to the truck after about an hour and a half. And like I say, we had our limit of sharp tails and two pheasants. I let her rest up for about an hour, an hour and a half. I was in no hurry to go back out. I had seen other hunters, but when they saw my rig, they turned and, and drove away, which was really nice because I've been in areas where they wouldn't do that. They would park right beside you and get out, walk the same ground you were walking. But we went back out, left the truck after about an hour and a half, and I don't think we made it 150 yards. She flushed a pair of roosters. I shot my last bird, and we were done for the day. Now, didn't I tell you guys a few episodes ago that if you're ever interested in shooting a combination limit, that sharptails and pheasants in the western Dakotas would probably be the easiest one you'd take? Well... KS and I did our first day returning to an area that I hadn't hunted in at least seven years. And we shot the same combination, three pheasants and three sharptails in the same day in, what was that, two hours? And then we did the very same combination again the next day, Sunday, in about the same amount of time. So as I mentioned before, if you ever want to have just one, spectacular day of bird hunting that's where you want to go and those are the species you want to hunt then on sunday i had knew where there was some state land that i'd been on a couple weeks earlier and shot a lot of grouse i parked alongside that i was going to wait till 10 o'clock when pheasant season opened because there was a shallow draw going through that uh state land that I, she flushed pheasants out of it both times we were in there, like five or six. Only one or two of them might have been a rooster, but still, there was no sense in, to me in walking it before pheasant hours opened. And while I was parked there, a pickup pulled up beside me. It turned out to be another hunter, a local guy, and he was just on his way home from a Wyoming uh, elk hunt. And he talked for a while, and he told me about a couple more walk-in areas that were about 10 miles away that he said hardly anybody hunted and I should be able to shoot pheasants on them. And he says, if, you, if you're in no hurry to walk this state land, he said, why don't you follow me and I'll point them out to you. Well, we didn't drive probably four miles down the road and I saw a walk-in sign on one side and there was wheat stubble there. It was a small, small piece. Uh, there probably wasn't 20 acres of wheat there. But he had stopped on the far end of that field, and when I pulled up, he said he saw about eight roosters that were out in the stubble in one group, and they all ran into this. Uh, it was a really nice uh, creek bottom. There was no water. I should say creek, shouldn't I? And there was a finger going off the side, and it paralleled this 
bottom paralleled two sides of the stubble. So he went to the far end, and I got out there at the road, and mostly to block for him. He had an English setter. Chaos and I made it only about 100 yards up to this finger and waited there. But about the time we got there, she flushed a, a big rooster, and I knocked him down. And when the, the other guy got about halfway, well, he was only about 100 yards from me. A rooster went out on his side, and he shot it. And when he shot, another bird went out on my side, and I shot that one. And then uh, when he was leaving, I walked a corner by a hayfield and uh, flushed one grouse and shot it. So I'd been hunting a total of probably 25 or 30 minutes and had two roosters and a grouse. And I went to uh, one of the walk-in areas that he mentioned. It turned out that it was a mile section of Milo standing milo and it was all grassland around it so i really wasn't expecting much chaos and i worked a mile length of that milo just um, 20 yards from the outside edge Uh, she never even got birdie and we walked about half of the width and i decided that there was a low spot and it was a deer trail it was kind of a very uh, in montana the ranchers i know would call it a sag just where there's like a low spot in the side of a hill, but there was a strong deer trail in it, and so I decided that we would just walk that back to the truck. The wind was blowing really hard. It blew 20 to 30 miles an hour every day I was out there. When we walked over the first big rise and got on the downwind side, we had the wind at our back, she uh, flushed a hen and a rooster at about 25 yards. I'd killed the rooster, and I was really glad I killed him because the covering that Milo was really thick. She would have had a hard time if he was a runner. And so we had our limit of pheasants and one grouse. She flushed four more hens after that on the way to the truck. I drove about two miles down the road and I saw a section road that a really wide right away, about 12-15 yards wide on each side of this section road. And it was all grassland around it. It was all public anyway. But it went up into the hills, and I drove probably 300 yards up that road, and I was within about 150 yards at the top, and we were on the downwind side, and it was really good-looking grass. And so I knew, and I'd been seeing grouse everywhere. I had probably already seen 60 or 70 grouse from the road, um, just driving, you know, between my starting point and when I pulled off on that section road. And we got probably 25 yards from the truck. She flushed a grouse. I shot it. We walked another 50 yards. And a single got up to my left. I shot it. And then they were like popcorn. There weren't that many, probably six or eight more grouse singles just all around us started popping up. But we were done for the day. And it was, I'm guessing it was probably right around noon, probably 12 o'clock. And we had another combination limit. And after that, I went back to, uh, some other walking ground that I had hunted for grouse on a previous trip because it had a couple of lakes. There really wasn't even enough grass in this pasture for, for grouse. But I did shoot a couple in there, but I think they, I pushed them in from another field on a previous hunt. The ground around these lakes was all pockmarked and mud because uh, it was really dry out there. And I thought if there was any place I could find snipe, that it would be in in that pasture. There was just perfect cover for them. 
And I walked all the way around one of the lakes that was probably a half a mile long and 300 yards. I left chaos in the truck uh, because South Dakota's limit on snipe is only five. And I thought, I can afford to go out here and walk and see if there are any snipe. And really, I didn't want her walking in that or running through that stinky muck and getting back in my, back in my van again. So I left her in the, in the van and walked her all the way around the lake. I never saw a snipe. And I still don't understand that because there was a big cold front the night. Well, for snipe, it was a cold front. They're kind of, kind of just one step of behind doves in migration. But I didn't see a single one. Monday morning, oh, I went back to that same wheat field because I saw on the Sunday afternoon when I was leaving the big Milo field, I noticed that there was another Milo field on walk-in that was over a half a mile from the road. And I knew there were damn few guys who would walk a half a mile to get to a field to hunt pheasants or sharp tails, either one. So I thought, well, I'm going to hunt that Monday morning, but I thought I'd walk that wheat stubble, or not the wheat stubble, the draw around it. She flushed a rooster just about the same place she did the first day, on 75 yards into the uh, first end of the draw. And I knocked him down. She picked him up. And when she brought him back, she flushed a grouse. And I shot the grouse. And I think I saw two or three pheasants, and I might have seen a hen, or two or three hens, and I might have seen a rooster go out the end. And I'm thinking that was the only birds I saw in there. So I went to the Milo, and there was about an inch of snow overnight. I walked around one side. It was probably on this field, it was probably only a half a mile deep and three quarters of a mile long. And when I got up on top of the hill, the Milo really thinned out. And I think it's because no moisture collects on the top of the hills. So it was actually short enough to hold grouse. And I could see there was a big flat, you know, just a flat-topped hill, um, about 50 yards off the edge. And when we walked in there, uh, I think six sharp tails flushed. And I shot one of those, and then it was just scattered grouse in there for, I think we probably put 15 or 15, that's chaos coughing, 15 or 18 grouse out of there. When, and I shot my, my limit one, my limit grouse in there as well. And then our day kind of went to hell. I decided to hunt nothing but ground that I hadn't hunted before because I'm always looking for that little gem over the hill. And I walked two different fields, never saw a pheasant, saw a few grouse just about everywhere we went. And then I ended up into a big walk-in area that I could see in the back corner bordered some wheat stubble. Didn't see a single grouse in there. She flushed two hands out of a shelter belt. And then at about 5 o'clock in the afternoon, we were walking around a corner that we had already hunted around on our way in. I was just skipping over it to go hit one other corner that we hadn't hit about a half a mile from the truck. And a rooster popped out of there. He was a big bird. That scared the crap out of me. As many pheasants as I've flushed, as many pheasants as I've shot, I don't think I've ever, I don't even know what frame of mind I was in because I shot at him before I even had my gun completely to my shoulder, and I just don't do that. But I, I hit him hard, but I hit him in the back, and I saw both his legs drop, and he kept flying. And, of course, I was so rattled, I missed him with my last shot 
Chaos was running underneath him, but she was losing ground, and he was losing air, but I knew she was going to run out of lungs long before he ran out of air. And he went, I, I kept my eyes on him, and he crested a, a rise about 200 yards away, and just before he disappeared in this low spot, I saw him collapse, just crumple up in the air and fall. I made it about 50 yards out there. I, I marked it as closely as I could and took off at a trot. I was too tired to run. And I don't think I made it 50 yards. And my little chaos was on her way back with this rooster. When I measured his, he had a 1 5 8 inch spur. The other spur had been broken off and was regrowing. And uh, he had 24 and a half inch tail feathers, which I know is not huge, but I haven't shot a, any of big-bodied bird. I haven't shot out. It's kind of weird to be proud of a pheasant like it's a tom turkey. I like my pheasants. But he was a really nice bird. And I think that was the last pheasant we saw. That was the only day that I was out there that I did not shoot my three pheasants. The next day, I hunted some ground that I watched truck after truck drive by. I would watch four or five trucks a day drive by this, and that's about all I'm going to say about it, drive by this ground and never stop. I went in there in the morning. Actually, I left chaos in the truck, and shooting hours begin at 10 a.m. About 9 o'clock, I just went in to walk around. I do that a lot. When I was walking around, I flushed five roosters out of this, and none of them were terribly scared. Four of them left onto private, but one of them stayed on this corner of public. I, so I went back to the truck, waited till 10 o'clock, let chaos out. We went about 75 yards. She flushed a rooster. I shot him. 20 minutes later, she ran into a patch of cattails and flushed a rooster, and I shot him. And uh, I think we saw two roosters that flushed wild on us. And then I, she was running through a some kind of a bramble patch. I don't know if they were, I don't know what kind of berry bushes grow that far north, if they were raspberries, blackberries, or what they were. But it was a thorny vine choke tangle. And she put our third rooster out of there. I got him. And then I went looking for sharp tails. And I was going to go, I wanted to go hunt this state land. Because I never hunted it that Sunday. I actually, I never hunted it this trip. But when I drove over there, the rancher beside it had just finished rounding up his cattle off the grassland and moved them onto the state ground. Probably had 300 head of cows out there on this section, trampling everything, which, you know, that's what it's for. But it kind of made me wish I'd hunted it earlier. So I went back to a slough, not really a slough, a shallow drainage in another waist high and I'm sure it was fallow hay ground. And she flushed. I shot the first bird, the first grouse that flushed. And then, it's almost embarrassing to say, I missed the next one that got up. And instead of shooting at him again, another one got up a little closer, which was, you know, probably 30 or 35 yards. And I missed that one. And those are the first two grouse I'd missed, you know, on that trip. And, uh, then in the afternoon, we went across, or later in the day, we went across the road and hunted a drainage on the other side. She put up a perfect grouse 25 yards out, cross 
easy cross and shot. I emptied my gun and never touched him. But when we were on the first side where I did shoot my second grouse, she flushed one, two, three, four roosters in there. And this was the section that I hunted opening day. And I was really surprised that, you know, because there were quite a few guys hunting that area, that we could go in there in a half an hour and she would put up, she put up a pair and then two singles. And after I missed my last grouse on the other side of the road, I counted nine roosters that chaos flushed. And it's weird because the day before we hunted our butts off and I shot the only two roosters we saw. And within a couple miles of there, we saw, I mean, I shot my three birds in the morning. I think we saw nine different roosters in that pocket. And then four where I shot my second grouse. And I counted nine different roosters that she flushed in the last field that we walked. We saw a lot of roosters that day. And I would guess we saw five hens. And it was kind of that way for me the whole trip. I saw three or four roosters for every hen the whole time I was out there. But like I said, that was one day that we ended up with a limit of pheasants, but only two grouse. So after four days of hunting, I had 11 pheasants and 11 grouse. It was one of each short of a four-day limit. And I had to come back to work early, so I decided to hunt just for an hour, maybe two, on been Wednesday morning. I had fire training for the airport on Thursday. I shot the first rooster she put up, probably 15 minutes into the hunt. I'm going to be truthful here. I missed two shots each at the next three roosters she put up. I don't know what the hell happened to me. Up until that point, I hadn't missed a pheasant. I had one that I had to shoot at twice, the, the very first bird that I missed with the first barrel and hit with the second. But after that, the next 10 roosters, I, I never missed a bird. And I'd probably missed four sharp tails on that trip as well. And this was in 20, 20 25, 30 mile an hour winds. The thing with sharp tails when the wind is blowing like that is they appear to be just hanging there. And I know that I shoot behind every one of them. I had the same thing on my trip that I was out there earlier. I would see them flush into the wind, and they just look like, a, like an ornament hanging on a tree. And I would shoot right at them and not hit them. But then the next one would get up, and I'd swing two feet in front of it and, and dump it. So I, I know it was my fault. But anyway, I shot, so I ended up my trip, I hunted four days in an hour, and shot 12 roosters and 11 grouse. So, I mean, I certainly have nothing to complain about, but they ended up getting snow. It was sleet turning to snow when I left. I don't know what it is, but I'm out of South Dakota licenses. I still have seven days on a North Dakota license, and I don't even know when I'm going to get up there, because pheasant season opens here in Iowa on the 31st. I have to work this weekend. And, the, and it opens in Nebraska. So I'm sure I'm going to be closer to home hunting pheasants for the next, uh, starting next weekend for probably three or four or five days. And then head up. I know part of that time I'll be in Nebraska trying to find chickens and quail. So I'm not going to be around for a while, but that's a good thing. I'm trying to decide now if I want to pick apart pheasants forever. 
And it's not so much the organization as it is their program, The Flush, where three or four of the guys from Minneapolis, St. Paul, make contact with their chapter leaders and the biologists that Pheasants Forever employ in all the major pheasant states. And they line up their rooster road trip and their programming for the flush for the next 13 episodes. My complaint is that these guys don't do the footwork. They don't study maps. They don't study weather conditions. They don't study the availability of land. All they do is get on the phone and get an invite from somebody who does all the legwork, who knows where the birds are, who probably does their best to protect those birds until the camera crew shows up. And then the guys from St. Paul give it away like it was theirs to give. And it's not theirs to give. They put none of the work in, none of the effort. You see, I have time to think about all that when I'm out there walking in the prairie and you shoot a combination limit of birds in two or three hours and there's nothing else to do but continue to scout. Uh, Stop and talk to some ranchers, drive over the hill. I don't go to cafes. I don't go to bars. I don't stay in a motel. I don't even talk to anybody that might be in the same campground as I am. And oftentimes I'm in a primitive area that there's no one else there anyway. But what irks me about what those guys downtown from Pheasants Forever do is most of them don't even own a bird dog. They won't even invest the time and effort into owning and taking care of a bird dog before they go running around the country inviting everybody else to hunt ground that someone else identified for them. And if they did that on ground that you hunted, you'd be really pissed. I mentioned the guy from Indiana with his grandson that I gladly uh, had him hunt the ground that I intended to hunt because I'd really rather walk something new anyway. I really enjoy the first time I hunt an area or a field. And then I ran into, I ran into uh, another group of four hunters from California, and they were hunting the same public areas hunting all around me. We didn't hunt the same fields, but around the same area. And they were there because of the flush. And all I could think of was, and I personally don't care because I can find birds. I shot my limit of pheasants every day. I mean, but one. And if I hadn't been hunting grouse, I'm sure I could have found one more rooster that day. But I feel for the, for the local guy. I feel for the guy from Wisconsin who's been driving out there every year for six or seven or ten years and always felt that freedom of having this, you know, secret, special place that he could go and hunt birds and not see another hunter. And it was taken away by some guys who had no right to give it away in the first place. The campground that I stayed at on this trip, I have been there. I hadn't hunted it for about seven years. But I did hunt it every year for about 10 or 11. And I always showed up the first Monday of the season. I never went on opening weekend. I would usually hunt Nebraska for Sharptail's opening weekend of South Dakota pheasant. Then I would 
on Sunday evening whenever I had my limited birds in Nebraska. If I limited out, I usually did. Then I would drive to my location in South Dakota that night so I could start hunting fresh first thing on Monday morning, use my five days Monday through Friday. And I would stay at a campground, and I never saw a hunter there. There were no hunters staying in that campground that I was in. And when I showed up on Thursday, there were already 11 trucks camped in that campground for pheasant opener, and four more showed up on Friday. This campground that never had a hunter for 11 years had 14, 15 vehicles, counting mine, there to hunt pheasants on opening day. And I'd be really... (laughs) I'd be willing to bet it was all because of that program. And again, my grievance isn't for myself, because I know that even if it was, if there were 30 trucks there and I couldn't find a place to hunt there, I could still find a place to hunt. I know that I can still shoot a daily bag limit of birds. I've always been able to do that, and I think conditions would have to get really, really bad before I couldn't do that again. I know I can go back there. I'm contemplating buying another South Dakota license this year and making a couple more trips back there. And I know I can shoot my birds every day. I know I can walk further than at least 90% of the hunters out there willing to walk. And I think I've learned enough about hunting in my 50 years of chasing pheasants that I have a much better idea where to hunt than 90% of the hunters do. But it's that guy that had his secret stolen. That's what irks me. Because there's nobody, there's nobody speaking for him. I, you know, he's the guy that doesn't know that the campground is full. And he, he shows up and goes to, pulls up to his favorite walk-in field or public hunting area, and he's like, what the hell happened? Finishing off here, there's two things I can tell you. That if you're that guy that feels like somebody gave your land away, gave your spot away, I would have to say, I understand how you feel. Sometimes it kind of irks me when I see somebody's parked at a place I was going to hunt. But to me, it's just an opportunity to find a new place to hunt. But I know there are guys that don't have that luxury, don't have that freedom, and, and don't know... I mean, they might have lucked into their honey hole in the first place and not be proficient enough to find another place like that. So until the time that Pheasants Forever gets rid of their pseudo-pheasant hunters and finds some real guys, dedicated pheasant hunters for their flush program, I'll be watching synchronized swimming before I'll watch another episode of The Flush. And for those of you guys who think that I might just be indiscriminately bashing Pheasants Forever for one reason or another, there's a guy who, with a YouTube channel, he does Bird Tales. That's the name of his episodes. He's, he's a Pheasants Forever employee. I don't know what capacity he's in. He's from Minnesota. He films a lot of his hunts, and he seems like a great guy. Why they wouldn't have him on every episode of The Flush is beyond me. Um, so no, I'm and uh, I have to go now. Uh, I have to get ready for my weekend to work. And I know that my last 
comments um, might upset some of the listeners, but I think I've always let you guys know that I'm an opinionated son of a bitch, and I'm not very apologetic about it. Once again, I'm Randy Shepard with My Dog Hunts, and if anyone asks who you're listening to and you're not too pissed off at me right now, please speak kindly of My Dog Hunts. And have a good hunt. I'll be back with another episode once I return from my Iowa-Nebraska pheasant hunt.